Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our newest episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Saru here, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Slava. Hey, everyone. So today we have a very special guest coming all the way from Vancouver. Let's welcome Rick Lau. So if we had to summarize Rick in one word, it would definitely be influencer. He's built three multi-million dollar businesses over the last decade and a half. These include notable names like PT Health with a network of over 100 clinics across Canada. Clinic Supplies Canada, which is now the largest online medical store in Canada with 50,000 website visits per month. And last but not least, Call Hero, which is a new and innovative way of using phone metrics and training to convert even more new patients over the phone. Rick now mentors hundreds of clinic owners with patient experience operations so they can scale a human organization that believes and cares about your vision of helping as many people as you can in your communities. So here's a quick fun fact, and uh, that's definitely a testament to Rick. Uh, he's actually been able to dominate in the healthcare world while having an environmental engineering background. That's pretty cool if you ask me. <laughs> All right. It's time to get down to business. Rick, thanks for coming on. How's your day been? Oh, it's great. It's 7 a.m. I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a few hours ahead here. Thanks for joining us. I know it's early. Uh, we usually start with the podcast just kind of asking the uh, individuals about an intro. So uh, oh. would you be able to tell us a little bit about your journey of how you got here today? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, you brought up I, um, I went to school as an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so my history is I was born in Alberta. And growing up in Alberta, like we're close to Banff, so I went skiing all the time. And it really made me appreciate how beautiful Canada is, right? You know, so, you know, the environment and um, protecting has always something that's been really, like, important to me, right? And so that's actually why I went to, like, engineering school, which is environmental engineering, which a lot of people don't know. Mm -hmm. And so how we got into this industry is that a lot of my best friends during um, U of A at in Edmonton were physiotherapists. Mm-hmm. And so during this time, you know, when they graduated, they got into buying and setting up clinics right across the country. And they said, Rick, come on over. I know you want to save the world, but why don't you come with us to be able to heal the world? Because mm-hmm. we could impact a lot more people with your analytical mind and like some of the systems and processes, just the way you think. And so, so that's, yeah, that's kind of how, uh, how I got started. And I bought my first clinic out in uh, Alberta and, uh, to be honest, I got lucky. Mm-hmm. It was a great location, and it was during a time where the economy was well. And you know, at that time, I was young, and my ego was also very inflated, thinking that <laughs> you know, I conquer the world, right? And I think a lot of us, like three-year-olds, kind of feel that way, right? And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy more clinics. So yeah. I bought a second clinic, I bought a third clinic, and and right up to my first ten clinics. You know, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And, and one of the reasons why I was buying these clinics was that, you know, when I was watching what other successful clinic owners are doing, they were having a more and more clinics too. And I felt this need to be able to have a lot of clinics like everybody else, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I realized was that it was downhill from there. In essence, I felt like a taxi driver, we didn't have Uber back then. So I felt like a taxi driver, like driving from like location to location. And right. so what I realized was that, when I actually 
owned more clinics, I was actually making less money. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being a really dark time for me, like in my life, you know, cause I was pushing out 70 hours a week and my personal life was like terrible. My f- fiance, the people that know me quite well, like left me during this time as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was tough, you know, and then obviously like with competition and a lot of the trends that were going, I was giving, it was getting scary because when I was looking at some of my numbers across my like clinics was that my new patient trends like were flat and I'm seeing more and more clinics popping up everywhere. And so I was like, you know what, something has to change. So I started like doing what most owners do is like spend more time on doctor marketing. What can I do to dominate on online marketing? Mm-hmm. And after months of spending lots and lots of money, I look at the schedule at my clinics and this will look empty. And so one day I walked in my clinic and that was actually when I had my epiphany, right? I walked in my clinic and I saw this happy patient come to the clinic and she gave like a cake to one of the clinicians because mm-hmm. she was just so grateful for what happened and how, uh, you know, this patient now, like she could, you know, she could like run again, you know, she could start like playing with her kids and she was just super happy. And so that was when I had this epiphany where I was like, oh my God, I've been doing it wrong the entire time. I've been focusing on like, how can I get more and more new patients? But instead, what I really want is like, how can I get more cake? I want more, more cake. Mm-hmm. I want more and more patients to be able to like give us cake. And that's when I said, this is what we need to do. We need to be able to create some systems to be able to operationalize patient experience across all my clinics so that they could actually give us cake when they graduate or when they have a successful treatment plan. And that's how this whole journey kind of started with um, diving deep and getting really into like clinic operation. Mm -hmm, For sure. And um, you mentioned something, uh, made a lot of good points over that um, uh, over that story but uh, the one thing that you mentioned is that it's important to focus not on getting new assessments as much but retaining the old patients and making sure that they're your ambassadors of your clinics for life right and this is something that uh, we've heard new and new conversations about over on social media and in person about how it's important to pay attention to the uh, long-term value of the patient as opposed to uh, focusing on new assessments. So, Rick, as an influencer, I have to ask you, uh, what are some of these emerging trends, new trends in the healthcare industry that you can tell us about, specifically physiotherapy? Oh, man, there's just too many. Well, first of all, like, I hate the word influencer, so don't, don't call me influencer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say, like, you know, I'm a student just like everybody else. Like, I love learning, and I'm constantly adapting a lot of my likeness. Mm-hmm. Um, tactics uh, on, on what's trending and what's working well. Um, and I just love sharing and yeah. I love learning in general, right? So, right. for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you brought up a good point. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of emphasis right now in, in our space where everyone's focusing on new patients, but we already have patients coming to our clinic. Mm-hmm. They're coming in for the assessment. Yeah. And some of, them, some of them may complete their plan of care, but a lot of them actually self-discharge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and then if we look up the funnel, we have a lot of patients already calling our clinic and some of them are existing patients. Some of them are new, never heard of us. And, you know, are we converting those um, into conversations and getting them to trust us? And are, are our conversations with the front desk with these prospective patients um, showing enough a value that they want to come in and actually make that commitment to pay your hundred dollar assessment. Mm-hmm. So there's a big opportunity to be able to, what can we do from a system standpoint and also leadership and training standpoint to be able to operationalize this patient experience so that that patient 
ends up coming in, graduating their plan of care, and then they end up telling 10 other friends how great this clinic is. And, you know, and that's how one new patient could actually give one happy patient, give you like 10 new patients. So mm-hmm, absolutely. I guess, I guess when I, when I look at kind of the process I did in terms of mapping out the whole patient journey, mm-hmm. um, I look at, Hey, look, these patients, you know, they land on your website. And if you have content, that's good enough. They might call you and if they call you, are you picking up the phone to convert them into an assessment? And once they come in and, and they do an assessment, are they loving your treatment plan? You know, that's assuming you have one. And do they pre-book their entire plan of care so that they graduate? You know, and if they graduate and not self-discharge, will they actually end up giving you a cake, like we said, or cookies? We see this all the time at clinics, right? And then those type of people typically will give you a Google review, even if you don't ask them. And then that's, you know, if they do that, typically they'll actually also give you a referral. They might tell the doctor how awesome you are and then you get more doctor referrals. They might tell their, their sister to come see you because they got into an MVA or maybe like they got into um, a sports injury and they come to, to see you at your clinic. And so, and this is why I tell a lot of clinic owners is that, you know, million dollar clinics are made in inches, not miles, right? So these tiny gains that you make each week in your clinic operations will yield to exponential results every single year. You know, and that's kind of what I did with my clinics. Um, and even the clinics that I mentor where like, if we could actually focus on these small things every single week, make one massive impactful change on clinic operations each week, and you do that for 52 weeks, that yields to like crazy results at the end of the year. And that's the difference between your clinic growing at 5 10%, which is how the economy grows versus your clinic growing 30%. And I don't care whether you're a million dollar clinic or you're like a half a million dollar clinic. Mm-hmm. So, and if your growth rates has been flat over the years and you see all these like little startups in your community popping up, you may want to question like some of your clinic operations, right? Yeah, so I, that's definitely an interesting uh, few points you made there. And, you know, it's, it's also amazing how, you know, you came from that environmental engineering background and then now you're so embedded into the industry, you know so much about it that if I didn't know any better, I think you were actually like a physio worker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's also a pretty amazing thing. And I'm sure you, you took steps to kind of understanding this before you opened up your first few clinics, right? And I think that, you know, a lot of uh, people who want to open something up or create something new, um, they want to obviously do their due diligence, you know, learn about the industry and what the trends are. And I think sometimes, you know, you, you did mention, you know, a few of the things that people should be focusing on, but how did you end up, you know, looking towards the current trends at the time, for example, what did you do to do that research to open up the first few clinics? Because that sometimes can be the toughest thing, right? You know what? I actually did what most 99 clinic owners do, and I didn't do that. I actually just went straight ahead, you know, Gary V style. We didn't have Gary V videos back then, but it was the exact same thing. I watched an inspiring video, and my, you know, my friends totally inspired me. Like, I want to save the world. They want to heal the world, right? And so I was like, okay, let's do it. And so that's when I bought my clinics, and I started, like, learning. And my problem was, like, I learned it the wrong way. It took me 10 to 15 years to figure this stuff out. And along this journey, I had mentors that actually mentored me so that I actually understood actually how to do this, right? But I didn't get this until the first 10 years. So the first 10 years, I was just trying to figure it out. And then, 
you know, and, and then as you start reaching out to people, you know, mentors in you know, our industry to help me with this process, mm -hmm. um, that's when I start seeing gains. And that's when I start realizing that the money is actually is in your patient experience operations and not necessary. Just like how much like new leads or new patients can I just jam in my funnel? And so that was kind of my aha moment, right? And now, like when I, you know, like right now, like I think I told you, like I mentor a lot of million dollar clinic owners and this is what we do. You know, when I mentor them, I'm mentoring them about clinical operations, right? How can we operationalize patient experience? And obviously, like I have all the tactics and that's the stuff we share with them, right? You know, but the hardest thing is not, is actually not the tactics and the secrets themselves. It's actually what you say and what you do to be able to influence change to get your clinicians and your front desk to buy in in your tactics and strategy. How can you scale up a human organization that cares and believes about your vision? About, you know, and most clinic owners, like they want to help as many people as they can in your community. It's about humaning up and leading. And this is a skill set I find that the also don't teach you this in school. You don't learn, and you learn this through your entrepreneurial journey as you manage, manage more and more people. And, you know, when I talk to a lot of owners, I feel like there's a lot of owners who feel guilty with like business and like owning and owning a business, you know, because they also, they're also a technician and a clinician as well. So there's a bit of guilt sometimes with selling. Mm -hmm. Is that something you guys hear a lot when you maybe like when you interview some of your members in this podcast? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, you know, a lot of people who are the top notch entrepreneurs we've heard, they always emphasize that being a very important component, right? In, in addition to the, like you said, clinic operations and client experience. But then we also have noticed from our personal experiences with being in the industry for a few years now is that you know, even some of our friends have mentioned that it's tough for them to sell. They don't have that skill. And that skill, I think, is the one thing that seems to be missing, especially in the curriculums, right? Because obviously, you know, we have to focus on the physiotherapy component, clinical stuff. But I think that because we're not trained to market ourselves and sell the service, I think sometimes that gets lost in the system a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The previously, like we mentioned it a couple of times in our podcast that uh, some clinicians feel like selling is associated with kind of like dirty money and a little mm -hmm. bit of that uh, stigma that's associated with selling. Mm -hmm. But if you provide a lot of value and provide really amazing benefits for the patients, there shouldn't be nothing wrong with selling your service. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny because when we do training with clinicians on how to do like assessments, if you look at the number one reason why most patients like self-discharge is because that therapist, whether you're a physiotherapist or a chiropractor, didn't spend enough time selling the treatment plan on day one and selling the fact that they could actually help them with their goals on what they actually need. All they did was like try to sell physiotherapy or not even sell, like just random through the system, right. which, what they do. But I think where the emphasis should be when it comes to like, when you, when you actually do your assessment is, you know, mm -hmm. spending more time to dive deeper with that patient, like versus try to fix them on the spot, but like get them to actually trust you, get them to actually like you, get them to support you. And if you call that selling, call it selling, but like you need their buy-in mm -hmm. so that they actually see you as the most trusted healthcare advisor that's going to like take care of them. So when they, when you tell them 
do this. I want you to come X amount of times, X amount of weeks. I want you to do this, do this, go home and do your home exercise program. They actually listen to you. And if they listen to you, guess what? You're going to get the outcomes that you want, which means your patient's going to have a successful recovery. Exactly. But they don't, guess what? That's how self discharges happens. And, and if they don't do their home exercise program, they don't come that, they don't come that two times a week that you told them to come because they actually didn't believe in you in the very beginning, right? Because you didn't sell. Right. Guess what? They go home and they tell their friends and five other people that, guess what? Um, physiotherapy didn't work for me. Rick was like an okay physio, but guess what? I'm going to try Jack at another clinic. And it does two things is not only does it affect your brand, but also it's actually not a good thing for the profession yeah. uh, for physiotherapists because it's, it tells more and more people that physiotherapy didn't work. And I think this is where that mindset has to change, you know, yeah. is that I don't call it selling is I, I call it is like developing a relationship and showing value on these, mm -hmm. on these things. And, you know, and I say this to a lot of clinic owners, right? is that you know, clinic owners are given a very special gift in this world because there's a lot of crappy clinics out there and, and there's a lot of like alternative ways to actually feel better, like meds, pills. There's so much clinics out there saying that they can fix this, fix that, and they'll guarantee it as well. Mm -hmm. And so it is your duty as an owner and your responsibility to serve and impact as many people as possible. Exactly. And, and this is where the, you should get rid of the guilt is that the profits in your clinic reflect the success of your patients, right? Patients aren't stupid. Patients in this are very educated. They have a lot of options. They're yeah. bombarded with every single possible way to actually feel better, right? Because this is what everyone's selling. And if they don't see value what they're getting at your clinic, they're going to leave. And when I look at all the clinics that we mentor right now, right? And I look at the top, the best performing clinics, they have amazing patient experience like metrics and their profits are off the charts. They're tied in. So money is a barometer of impact. Like I said, the profits that your clinic makes reflects how successful you are with your patient and how many lives you could impact. Yeah, and, and you know, just something that we like 100% agree with selling. The way like you can also think about it, it's not you're selling, you're just educating the client on the journey, right? Because I've even, you know, we've had clients come in who, like you said, were on their third or fourth try of physiotherapy. They haven't had the most positive experience. And, you know, one, you do have to communicate your plan and the vision of how you foresee kind of things unfolding in the next few weeks with timelines included, with milestones included. And then um, the other thing is a lot of people who come in who are on those third or fourth try, they're almost like lacking the hope and they don't think that they can get better at some points, which, you know, I've experienced personally. And I think that just kind of giving that empowerment at that point is, you know, it's, it's that's not a, a business skill. That's just a soft skill. It's a communication skill, right? You have to communicate it. You have to empower them. And then once that uh, comes in, then they'll have a plan. Now they're f like fully clear on what's going on. And then the next few weeks they come in for how many times you think it would be best based on their situation. Um, you know, that'll, like you said, lead right into, uh, it'll funnel right into the business because this is a service industry, right? If the service is not good, then you're not going to make any money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like there's so many, you know, if we talk about trends, there's so much competition popping out everywhere, right? I never seen so many clinics pop up on every single corner, you know, and I'm not just talking about physiotherapy clinics. There's chiropractic clinics and not even massage clinics, but there's all these other alternative clinics that just are popping up out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Then you got kinesiologists, kin clinics popping up um, and they're working directly with like WCB and like MVA. 
yeah. um, because physios uh, are picking and choosing what type of patients they want to treat. You know, I just want to treat these type of patients, you know, if, that requires the least amount of paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Or> that <laughs> pays the most. Yeah. Um, and then it's creating this opportunity where insurance companies are like, well, we want, we want active-based programs. We want exercises, right? Um, and so they start dishing out this type of work to, to kin clinics, you know, or other organizations that want it, right? You know, and that's where some of the corporate like rehab um, uh, clinics uh, networks across the country are, um, they have so many locations, they're getting so much strength is because they're taking away all that type of like B2B business that's out there, right? That most private practice clinics don't want. So Mm-hmm, for sure. And uh, Rick, you mentioned that uh, there's a lot of uh, competition, not only between the physio clinics, but other disciplines as well. And yeah. uh, we had uh, Charlotte Anderson on the podcast before, and she said, like, <laughs> physio is going to rival Starbucks soon, like a <laughs> clinic on every corner. Um, yeah. What would you advise the clinic owners to do to remain competitive in this type of market? I'm a big advocate of making sure that your patient experience operations mm-hmm. produce amazing patient experience at your clinic. And then you can create a good brand. Cause most of these clinics at the end of the day is that like majority of the referrals that come in is based on branding and word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So if your numbers aren't growing because of branding and like word of mouth, then there's part of an opportunity to be able to like fix that. And that's something I see a lot of like bigger clinics get complacent with is that, some of these bigger clinics, they get big, they get a little bigger, and then they can place in. And so they stop, you know, maybe it's a bit of the ego in their way, but they stop implementing like some of the latest strategies to actually modernize their operations so that they could scale their patient experience, you know? And that's when they start losing out to small clinics, right? Or startup clinics, right? And this is one a problem I see with a lot of big clinics is that can't handle the demand. They get so much phone calls coming to their clinic, right? Uh, in the first couple of years. Um, and then, you know, and so they're okay with letting patients wait or saying, hey, like the earliest I get you in is like next week, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? You know, a clinician that works at your clinic sees that. They're like, oh, this owner can't manage demand. You know what? I'm going to create a clinic across the street. Mm-hmm. Or like another clinic just steps like across the street because they see the demand because the, this current clinic owner who, you know, went from maybe from zero to like uh, two million, mm-hmm. all of a sudden is like so busy, is like pushing away patients, you know? <laughs> Like there's, if you can't manage that demand, there's going to be a clinic literally across the street pretty soon. And my, my guess is there's a 50% chance there's going to be someone in your clinic that's going to do that because they know the inside that you can't satisfy this demand. And then you blame because I can't recruit anyone or you blame that, you know, like maybe it's like, uh, I don't have the right, you know, front desk, blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. You know, but if you can't manage the demand, you're going to get competition. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. For sure. One trend that I see, and I think physios should do more of, and you know, a lot of the clients that, um, I coach mm-hmm. and a lot of them are actually chiropractor owners, right. Mm-hmm. Is that they have adopted this multidisciplinary model where mm-hmm. it's chiro, physio, massage, and ND. And that makes up like, you know, and it's pretty well balanced, right? You know, so each business yeah. is like a quarter. And so when I look at all the two, $3 million clinic owners hitting those type of numbers, it's never just pure physio. It's actually these multidisciplinary ones. And right now, when I see who's taking, um, who's leading this, uh, setting these type of clinics, it's actually Cairo owners. So Cairo owners are building you know, multidisciplinary clinics where their physio business is actually bigger than the chiro business. And I think as physiotherapists, 
um, you guys have to start embracing this, right? Instead of, you know, instead of competing with this Kairos, because the reality is some of these patients will just go for Cairo. Just bring them into your practice. You know, if your clinic is called ABC Physiotherapy, maybe it's time to call it ABC Health. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so that's the fastest way that you could double your business is you start bringing in some of this stuff. And what's also nice is that once again, is that it controls the whole patient experience. You know, I've seen it work very well that a patient goes, sees all three professions, a physio, massage, and chiro, right? or some of them just see physio massage and some of them just see chiro massage. And we, you know, even we've seen from our personal experience too, with, for example, like MVAs who see the, the physio, the massage, the um, OT, if they kind of see more disciplines, sometimes we've seen they actually have also better outcomes because they get that experience from the other professions that we may not be able to provide directly, right? We also have to focus our kind of time for physical therapy slash some of the education stuff we do. And then for yeah. example, if the OT comes in and provides some, you know, psychosocial support, right. That sometimes definitely seems to be help out. Now what's, what would you say then your number one pro tip would be for clinic owners that they could, for example, do tomorrow to take control and maximize this patient experience and operations. Oh man, there's so many. I don't know where to start. <laughs> I, I think the I, I think the first thing the, uh, an owner should do is actually map out a typical patient that self discharges for the first hundred days. Mm -hmm. okay. Map out from the from the moment they come to your website to the moment, like you know, like all the little steps, right? You know, like the moment they come to your website and you know maybe maybe they book online or maybe they don't, maybe they call you and then they come in and like what are the things that you do until they actually self-discharge or graduate? And then when you map this like their patient uh, ex uh, journey for the first like hundred days, then you start looking at hey, what are those like what are those key points I need to measure along this journey to make sure that I'm successful because okay. if I'm losing everyone, like let's just say I'm losing half my patients from the assessment to graduation, then guess what? I got to work on training there because I don't know what your problem is. Like it depends on what the problem, like uh, what the clinic's biggest challenge. But like if, if you're doing an awesome job on marketing, you know, and you're driving these phone calls, but you're only answer 50% of the phone calls and you want to convert 50 of those like opportunities into a new patient, then maybe it's a front desk training thing. Maybe you need to have like metrics on your front desk on like whether the answering books are booking or booking rates, you know, but like if they actually come in, you know, if they come in and do their assessment, but they don't book any sessions after that, then maybe it's a training that you need to do with your clinicians on how to do an assessment, right? You know, maybe you guys have to revamp your, your uh, treatment plans, right? And what you say with patients, maybe you guys need to role play. I'm a big believer of you get what you measure, Mm -hmm. So if you want your clinicians to use treatment plans, you got to measure that, right? If you want your patients to give you a Google review, you have to measure that every single week. If you want your patients to answer the phones, you should measure that every single week, right? If you want them to convert patients over the phone, you got to measure that. If you want your marketing company to give you AdWords and Facebook leads through advertisement, you got to measure that every single week. How many phone calls did you generate from the uh, marketing person? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it's this mindset of like you get what you measure yeah exactly yeah and um since we touched on the topic of marketing um we definitely see that you have a lot of exposure 
online and through emails and then the, on social media as well, like Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, we were wondering if you could share some marketing secrets with the clinic owners on how they can be successful online right now. Oh man, that's a, that's, that's a tough one, man. <laughs> pulling out all the secrets. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's tough because marketing is a lot of work, right? And, and like I said, I, I think that most owners jump into marketing right away and when they don't actually are ready for it. Yeah, that's true. You know, and when I look at, once again, it's like, you know, I, I, I spoke with this owner a few weeks ago and, you know, same question, Rick, do you have a silver bullet solution for me where I could get 10 extra new patients next week? I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Oh, I was like, tell me what you're doing right now. And, you know, he's telling me he's spending all this time, like doing what all the other clinic owners are doing. Mm-hmm. I am spending time on Instagram, you know, I'm posting stuff on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm dibble dabbling on some Google AdWords, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like, and when we looked at some of his like, you know, clinic operation metrics, we find out is that like most of these patients who come to his clinic, like self discharge after three, four visits. Mm-hmm. And so why are you spending more money on marketing telling everyone in your community that your clinic has a self discharge problem <laughs> that patients don't get better. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And maybe the focus should be on like, what can I do to actually improve my clinic operations? Once you get your operations done and like patients, like, you know, like you get that dialed, spend more time um, doing marketing. Right. And I think this is that shift that people have to get, you know, the old way of doing marketing is you do this. Number one, you spend money on marketing, Google, Facebook, AdWords, maybe you go do doctor marketing. Right. So you're investing thousands of dollars in time and in money. Right. Right. You know, and then what ends up happening, I'll just paint you like a very typical scenario is that, you know, like a good example is you assume that when you get these phone calls coming to your clinic, your clinic is actually answering the phones, right? And that your front desk is trained on booking them. They're booking like, you know, 80% of these into new patients, right? right but right. then what ends up happening is that these patients end up saying, I'll call you back. And they ended up shopping around and, mm-hmm. you know, and, but even if they do come in, they don't get completely sold on the treatment plan either, right? So they end up self-discharging after the third or fifth visit. And I'm not saying everyone does that, but like if you look at the lowest hanging fruit at a clinic, it's like, what can I do to actually be able to um, reduce the amount of self-discharges I have in my clinic, you know? And that's done through like clinic operations. And so what ends up happening is that if we go back to this old way of doing marketing, um, is that because you're a friend that's never been trained with converting a lot of these patients on their phones, you tell yourself that, hey, I'm not getting any more new patients with marketing, right? So my marketing is not working. And so guess what ends up happening? You tend, you read one of, you read a, you go to a webinar or you read like maybe one of my blogs. You're like, I got a great idea. I'm going to do this all over again. <laughs> and that whole cycle just goes around and around and around. Yeah. So then the, the new way that I would do marketing, if I'm going to give any tip to any owners, is that the first thing I would do is that most clinics already have patients calling them, right? So the first thing I would do, the new way, is start, begin by measuring your answer rates and booking rates. You wanna make sure that you're answering like 95% of the phone calls, not 70, and you wanna make sure that you're booking like 80% of uh, opportunities that call you and not 50. Because mm-hmm. how much is, how, at your practice right now, how much is a new patient um, worth to uh, you guys? Uh, like lifetime value, yeah, sure. Uh, probably it'd be five hundred bucks. 
Yeah. Yeah. They come for maybe eight, eight, eight to 10 sessions, you know, and whatever, 60, 80 bucks a pop, you know, easily 500 bucks. So everyone, these phone calls is 500 bucks. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so then, but where it gets messed up is, but by the time they call your clinic, assuming they can like talk to someone at your clinic and assuming they're not put on hold. Right. And so, and then once they talk to your teams, are you, have you trained them with scripts on what to say to get them to show value and to come? What do, what do they say when um, and they say, like, how much is it? You know, what do they say when they say, um, let me think about it, right? You know, or, hey, do you offer chiropractics and you're just a physiotherapy clinic? Like, do you, each one of these phone calls is still $500. Mm-hmm. Have you, you know, like, so you can spend $1,000 each month on marketing or you can convert a few of these ones into new patients. Mm-hmm. And by you measuring this, you could like constantly refine your patient experience over the phones. And I'm just showing you one step of this whole, remember we talked about mapping the first hundred days. Yeah. I'm just showing you the beginning of the funnel, which is the marketing funnel before you even like throw dogs on marketing. Can you come, can you even convert what you have already into your clinic? Right. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Here's a tip that's your viewers, your, um, your audience could do right away. You know, all those people that call your clinic, the previous day that say, I'll call you back or who didn't book with you Mm -hmm. or they hung up too early. Mm -hmm. Get your front desk teams to call them Mm -hmm. the day after. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, and if each of the, like, you know, and we've have owners like on call hero doing this and each week, like, like they could get an extra two, three new patients doing this. So in a month, that's an extra 10 to 12. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you track the patients that didn't book with you and you call them back the next day. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to convert all of them. Just convert like 20% of them. Yeah. You call 10, two will come with you. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is that like the, the reality is that like people are busy. So when, if they're busy, like they might be talking on the phone, they might be shopping around and like life got in the way and they forgot about you. So if you call them back, oh my God, that's incredible. Cause from a patient experience standpoint, like no one does that. And number two is that maybe they're actually at your competitor's clinic and they had a terrible experience because they saw Rick, this physiotherapist who was actually an engineer and like he was, who was never a licensed physiotherapist. <laughs> that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> so, and so if you call them back, they might come to your clinic, right? Cause you're going to show a value, right? Especially if they, they talk about like, Hey, you know, I, I called them and I wanted IMS cause I have this type of injury and like it's, the guy doesn't have IMS. <laughs> right. And then you're like, great. I, we have tons of guys doing IMS, right? You know, so, and then here's the thing with this type, like, like I said, I'm a big, like I said this multiple times. And if you're going to quote me, quote me on this, like, you know, get, you get what you measure. So if you start measuring like your answer rates and book rates and you're like converting at really high numbers, mm-hmm that's when you start doubling downing on your marketing because let's not waste anything with, with the ones already calling you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the zero starts piling in. Yeah. But, exactly. but here's the thing. We just talked about the first step in the patient journey. Yeah. We didn't even touch about the other things you can measure from the time they actually walk into your clinic. But mm-hmm. if you start measuring a few of those things, it will have a compounding effect of what it can mean for your business. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and this big message of, you know, when if your ship is sinking because you got too many holes in it, it's better to patch up the holes instead of putting more sails on, right? It's It's definitely like an important message. And it's definitely like an investment strategy too, right? For example, you know, if you're thinking about putting your money into the market, right? And let's say you make the average industry average of 8%, but you have like a, you know, 50K of debt that's, you have interest that's 8%, which one would you put your money in, right? It's gonna, would you like just work hard to even it out or just pay off the debt? You'd actually be saving the 8%, right? So instead of bleeding more money that way, you're actually saving your time and money by paying off the debt first and then going towards kind of the, um, the next investment. So. Yeah. Yeah. And one, you know, I like what you said there. And one, one thing that is also, you know, like it just reminds me to, to bring it up is that back to that clinical owners telling you about that was spending a lot of time, like doing like, you know, like online, like Facebook, Instagram, like Google, mm-hmm. um, just getting them. And a lot of that is, you know, some of it is paid at, but a lot of it is organic too, right? You know, just do a natural post. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I told them to like pull up his Instagram and I told him to like, cause in your business, in Instagram, there's a setting that shows you how much like time you spend on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I was like, show me that, right? And then he shows me that like, you know, he's spending like, uh, what was it, 25 hours a week, 25 hours a week, trying to get more followers on Instagram, and right? And, and I don't know what he's doing on like Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. But 25 hours a week is a lot of time. And even if you get your team to do, even if you assign this to like, um, you know, a millennium or someone, you know, young and hip in your clinic to do it, that's still 25 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And like, how many leads did that actually generate for you? Right. And so I think this is where like this mindset of marketing needs to change is that, is that like when it comes to like um, social followers is for egos, right. And leads is like profit. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so if, so I'd rather spend that 20 hours a week to generate like more like things that could actually get me more phone calls. And if it's, if it's not, if I'm measuring each week or each month, if I spend X amount of hours or X amount of dollars doing that, will it generate me X amount of like phone calls into my clinic? If it doesn't, guess what? I should be spending time elsewhere. Maybe instead of me spending 20 hours a week on Instagram and Facebook, I should be spending maybe like 20 hours a week to do like old school doctor marketing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And embrace the fact that I'm in sales and that I'm in business development. And my job is be able to like my job, my, my duty and my responsibility is be able to like, you know, make sure that um, everyone in my community comes to my clinic because I want to serve impact as many people as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. So Rick, we've talked to, we've talked to you about um, a lot of, about the topic of the clinic operations side for uh, single clinic owners and some that own like five to 10 clinics. But there's also been a trend in the industry where uh, there's been a consolidation of a lot of clinics by uh, uh, major players in the industry. Um, Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something that I very familiar with, you know, I was in it myself um, and I'm watching it happen, happen. And it's the same trend happening in the U S right. You know, there's a consolidation of, you know, physiotherapy and chiropractic clinics across the country and, um, and, and they're owned by private equity and pension funds, right. And some public traded companies. So it's not in the hands of, 
of, of uh, clinicians. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and even if you look in the U.S., like there are chains that own over a thousand physiotherapy clinics, right? You know, and I know, I know uh, some of them, right, quite well. And many of them, I could tell you, want to open up a network in Canada too, right? And so with more and more clinics and a bigger network, um, what that allows uh, these companies to, to do is to negotiate with like insurance companies to give them obviously lower pricing and they could get like reporting of outcome measures, right? In exchange for all the business. And it makes a job for the insurance companies a lot easier, right? Instead of them talking to 2,000 clinics across the country, they just have to talk to like three or five. And I think the ultimate question, um, you know, that owners have to ask themselves is that, what would your business look like if you actually didn't have extended health, mm -hmm. right? Is your patient experience at your clinic strong enough that people want to pay hundred bucks a visit without getting reimbursed by insurance plans, right? You know, because that trend is obviously happening in the U.S. There's a lot of clinics in the U.S. Um, you know, some of these guys that I mentor as well is uh, they're becoming cash-based practices, mm -hmm. meaning um, they're skipping the insurance. So like they have to make sure that these patients are um, are like the, the care and like the patient experience, everything has to be so top notch because people want to pay um, that 1500 bucks or $2,000 to come see them and they got to sacrifice that instead of going to that trip to Mexico because they know that they're not going to get reimbursed by their insurance, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's, a, that's a trend, you know, that's actually happening. So I think we just, you know, like have to be, you know, aware of it. I, I don't know what we could do about it, but, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be, options and solutions in the future, but definitely the trends are happening. The other trends I'd also see is that, you know, obviously with clinics, with home health, like rehab, you know, those are competition to clinics, okay. right? You know, like when you have physios going into homes or massage going to homes, like that takes the experience away from them going to a clinic. And so that's why you also have to elevate your game. And then there's tele-rehab, you know, and that's sky skyrocketing a lot in the U.S. as well. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and here's the thing that, you know, is a hot topic is medical marijuana. Right. This is the biggest competition to to clinics, you know, is that you could fix back pain without leaving your couch and you can still watch Netflix at the same time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's really easy. Yeah. Yeah. So and I guess at the end of the day is that like with clinics getting more and more expensive to run because everything is getting more expensive. Leases are more expensive. Wages are more expensive. The margin of error. Um, on this business is really small. And that's just really, really important for you to be able to start like measuring your business to making sure that it's actually moving every single week. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely important point, especially with the margin of error. You can't, you can't make too many mistakes when <laughs> the clinic down the road might be, you know, perfecting what you're not doing well. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And uh, you've definitely brought up some amazing points and uh, it's hard to cover a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a lot of the trends and a lot of the advice for the owners in one episode. So we'll definitely dive deeper into some of those topics in the next few episodes with you. We'd love to have you for a couple more sessions for sure. Um, but Rick, you, you provide so much value for the uh, clinic owners with some of the uh, companies that you have like Call Hero and the Clinic Accelerator as well. And uh, I understand there is, a, um, there is a conference, kind of like a panel coming up to bring the owners together to talk about some of these issues. Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so last year, a couple hundred people went to my um, uh, Accelerate event, you know, so it's the 
ultimate business. It's the ultimate like clinic owner, like conference that we have in Toronto, right? You know, and so we're having again this year in June and it's going to be in June and it's going to collaborate with the orthopedic symposium as well. So if you are coming, if you're going to go to the orthopedic symposium, um, for the clinical training, you come here for the business training. But in that sense, it's going to be it's Canada's largest clinic owner conference where we bring industry leaders, um, and we're going to teach you the latest like clinic operations so that you could double your profits. And it's not about spending more money on marketing, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that there is a big opportunity for clinic owners in this country to work together to actually help each other. Um, you know, whether they live in Nova Scotia, Ontario, or BC or Alberta, or Saskatchewan, or Manitoba, and Quebec, <laughs> um, despite, like, it, everyone feeling that there's competition, you know, like, I think if we all work together, we could achieve way more things. As you add up all the private clinics across the country, like, there's a couple thousand. This is the biggest network across the country, right? Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is to come to my conference, join in the conversation, um, but I'm just going to remind you, uh, last year when we ran it, uh, we sold out within the first uh, seven weeks. So if it comes up, you guys got to sign up quickly or it's going to be gone, right? So We'll have it on our bookmarks. <laughs> Accelerate 2019. Yeah. All right. Come, well, come and join the conversation. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll have some more information about that as well, closer to on registrations and stuff. So just uh, the listeners can stay tuned for that. Now, Rick, been amazing having you and you know i think you might already know typically before we end off we ask our uh, guests for a book recommendation that has influenced them dramatically in terms of their business and personal life now do you have any recommendations for our listeners today that's a tough one too because i love books there's so many books right for me for me personally it would be the classic book by dale carnegie how to win friends and influence people right yeah and i think the reason why i chose this book is that when you start when your business starts going from like small to big mm-hmm. your biggest challenge is going to be about communication leading inspiring and like decision making right Definitely. and so and i find that most relationships struggle because of bad communication and influence right and your ability to lead will always determine the level of your income, your impact, and your influence. And this book was something that helped me to start my journey in terms of, you know, how can I stop thinking like an engineer, which is very tactical, like very robotic, and how can I start connecting and influence people? Yeah, and this book kind of showed me the way. So Yeah, one of my favorite books for sure. It's, it, it's obviously not like rocket science, what they're talking about there, but it just kind of puts it in front of you to get an idea of, oh, okay, maybe I should do this more often. Like, I think one chapter was to smile, right? And that was, uh, it was, you know, not rocket science, but just smiling kind of brings on that positive experience. So one thing we've done in the clinic, Slava and I as well, is, you know, when we go introduce ourselves to the clients or whoever it is, new or uh, previous client, uh, we put a smile on our face, right? And it's authentic too. We're happy to see them. So that kind of gives off that good experience, like you said. But stay tuned for our book synopsis on that. Um, Rick, thanks so much for coming on. So we'll definitely be in touch for our second, third, fourth, maybe fifth episodes because we definitely have to do it. <laughs> Very dive, uh, very deep into um, the next few, uh, few things that you talked about on the podcast. So I uh, appreciate you coming out and giving us your time. 
Um, right. Is there any way the individuals or listeners can find you on social media or get in touch with you or the clinic owners that want to get in touch with you as well? Yeah, I think the, yeah, the easiest to get a hold of me is find me on Instagram. Um, I am at uh, the Rick Lau. Watch me there. You, you'll see my journey with me working with other clinic owners uh, that I mentor and how I help them make successful. And then also I give a lot of free tips on um, things you could do to be able to like uh, implement your clinic in terms of uh, clinic operations. So, but thanks for having me here guys. And uh, I love what you guys are doing. Keep, keep on crushing it. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much, Rick. We appreciate having you as well. Lots of valuable information. It was very entertaining to have you. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll speak soon. Have a good day. Have a good day. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.